0: Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify greetings and welcome to another episode of canadian history x if you like you can support the podcast for as little as three dollars a month just go to patreon.com slash you can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com ehx.com and clicking donate or you can go to buy me a cup of coffee slash craig you all of these links are also in my show notes and for people who donate i have various levels of benefits For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by... with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. So this episode is a shorter one. I try and feature a lot of communities. Some have a lot of history and some, well, they don't. But they all have interesting history. So even though this is a shorter episode, I hope you enjoy it. Prior to colonization, the area that Lac Hache sits on was the land of the Shuswap people and the Chokotan. The Chokotan would refer to the lake in the area as Kumatakwa, or Queen of the Waters. In the area of La Hache, the Shuswap would build pit houses and create thriving settlements that would slowly disappear as Europeans came into the area. Fur traders would come through the area by the 1800s to trade with the indigenous and collect valuable furs from the interior of British Columbia. In the 1860s, gold fever was hitting British Columbia and miners had hit gold in communities to the north of lac Lahache. They would travel along the Caribou Wagon Road, which ran along the eastern shores of the lake and the future community. The name of the community would actually come from kind of a unique story. Lac-Laheche, which is French for Lake of the Axe, received the name during the fur trade era when a French-Canadian voyageur was chopping a hole in the ice when he lost his grip on his axe and it sunk into the water and into local legend. Another legend states the name comes from a mule that was owned by the Hudson's Bay Company. The unfortunate mule fell through the ice and took with it an entire load of hatchets. Along the Caribou Gold Rush route, various people decide to start putting down routes nearby to Lac L'Hexe at what would be called 108 Mile Ranch. This small ranch would continue to develop and today is a small residential community that features 1,500 acres of parkland. It also has a heritage site that has become a tourist attraction thanks to its several restored buildings that include one of, if not the longest, log barn in all of Canada. The Watson-Clydesdale barn was built by Captain Geoffrey Lancelot Watson, a British Army officer who fell in love with the area. Tall at six foot six, he would operate a huge ranch of 10,000 head along with 100 Clydesdale horses. He had a hope of starting up a polo league in the area and imported polo horses, but had little success. The barn itself would be built in 1908 with 10 double stalls on each side of the corridor to accommodate the large horses, and this would be expanded to 15 double stalls on each side eventually. After the First World War, Watson left, although some sources say he was killed in the trenches. Either way, in 1915, Lord Edgerton bought the barn and continued to use it for decades. After the 1950s, the barn fell into disrepair and was in danger of being demolished. Finally, in 1979, when the heritage site was transferred to the Heritage Society for $1, work began to restore the entire structure. That work would finally finish in 1991, bringing about the barn that is loved and enjoyed to this day. The restoration was no small task, costing upwards of $170,000 or over $340,000 today. In order to complete the project, it took 70 good-sized logs or about 3 logging truck loads to fix up the barn. And while fixing up the barn, the workers also found an inscription from Captain Watson himself, dated July 6, 1909, on a joint. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. i spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom and uploading content. Through it all, Explornet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. Explornet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. Nearby, there is the Blue Tent Ranch, which was established by Henry George Felker and his wife Antoinette. They had come from Germany and looked for gold in California and then in British Columbia. They would take up 160 acres in the area in 1861, and the family set up a saloon and log house on their property, and the spot became known as the Blue Tent Ranch. The roadhouse built by the family was quite large, standing at two stories and made entirely of logs. By 1864, the ranch was operating with a dairy business as well. Unfortunately, that same year, Felker was arrested on a charge of attempted murder, and during the trial, he would lose the ranch to a freighting company that held his mortgage. The ranch was eventually purchased by William Wright of Hamilton, and the Blue Tent Ranch Roadhouse was once again operating and doing quite well. The ranch would continue to operate under the Wright family until the turn of the century, when it was taken over by James Reed and William Webster. In 1904, the original roadhouse burned to the ground, and during the First World War, a house on the ranch burned down as well. Today, Lac La Hache is called the longest town in the Caribou because Highway 97 runs along the entire 18 kilometer shoreline of the lake and that stretches out the community along the same stretch of highway. All around Lac La Hache you will find Lac La Hache Provincial Park, one of the most beautiful stretches of land in the province. The park was established in 1956 just to the north of the community of the same name. The park has 83 campsites with beautiful landscapes around it, and it's been expanded since the 1950s, and now includes shelters, a boat launch, and an adventure playground. There's also some great fishing at the park, and people come from all over the province and Western Canada to enjoy the fishing on the waves of this quiet lake. I hope you enjoyed this rather short episode of Canadian History X. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig@canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird. C R A I G B A I R D and I'm on Instagram at berdo 37 As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseeth, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.